Welcome to The C Word, the Conservatives podcast. Today we're talking about one year on, or one year and a bit. I'm Jenny Mathiasen, an Objects Conservative based in Camarthenshire. And I'm Chloe Rumsey, an Objects Conservative based in Greater Manchester. <laughs> and a sort of belated welcome to absolutely everyone. Absolutely everyone. We're just hanging out. I'm on the wine and uh, so is Chloe. <laughs> we are here with how many people? At the moment we've got 14 14 people and we're having drinks and chats about the last 18 months. Hopefully not just about COVID, but about what we're doing now and like life after or during as it might be. So it's a big chat. We've never done something like this before. So um, it's something a bit different to start off season 10. Yeah, but also it's lovely to see some faces. It's really nice. <laughs> so this is a thing that we're doing. Uh, and I would love to hear who you all are. I'm trying to think of who to pick on first. Chloe, pick someone. Mandy, would you like to go first? Hi everyone, I'm Mandy Garrett. I'm a recent graduate of Cardiff University um, with an MSc in conservation practice. Um, during the pandemic, I was mostly painting watercolour paint, uh, pictures of animals and birds and that sort of thing. Oh, that sounds really nice. That sounds really nice. Uh, Kendall next. And you've got, you've got a, a, a friend with you. Do you both want to introduce yourselves? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my name is Kendall. I'm Caitlin. <laughs> and we're from the Texas Forestry Museum in Texas. Wow. Yeah, we're mid-afternoon here. Nice. <laughs> okay, so no, no wine. <laughs> no, no wine. We've got a, a Diet Dr. Pepper and water. Yep, water. <laughs> nice. Very good. And our museum, we were closed for 13 months because um, we have a lot of interactive things. We have a whole room that's just um, where kids can play. And we thought if we took away all the interactive things, like what would yeah. be left? So we were still working. Um, thankfully, we are a free museum. And so we don't rely on the money for our budget with people coming through the door, which actually was quite a blessing. So uh, we, we still worked and um, we caught up on a lot of things. For instance, like collection, we only have three full-time people here and we don't have any designated staff person for the Ooh. collection. And that's why none of us are conservators. And that's why we really like listening to your podcast because you give us an insight to things we weren't trained on. And then it helps us with our collection. Hey, amazing. Welcome, guys. That's really lovely feedback, isn't it? And you're calling from quite far away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> See if anyone can beat that. <laughs> Ellie, are you next? Uh, hello, everyone. My name's Ellie and I'm a recent graduate from uh, Cardiff University Ooh. in conservation practice as well. Uh, but I am um, a recent hire at the IIC, so I work with the member engagement there. Over the lockdown, I was writing my master's dissertation and writing really wonderful papers with Jane Henderson as well. It's very exciting. Caitlin? Hi, I'm Caitlin. Yeah, in the past year, I've finished uni, also the conservation practice at Cardiff, and started a new job as assistant conservator at the Royal College of Surgeons in London, so... Yeah, lots of change. Hey, cool. Wow. Congrats. Who have we got next? We've got Martha next. Hello, uh, I'm Martha. I recently graduated, again, Cardiff University conservation practice, but I graduated the BSc program. And I am going to do a master's in historic building conservation starting in October. So that's exciting. Cool. What did I do over lockdown? A lot 
of stress baking and then forcing that on my flatmates and then obviously <laughs> completing a degree but yeah mostly baking <laughs> nice and rain uh hi i'm rain poisson i'm in canada actually oh. and i am an emerging conservator and i recently got a job as a collections manager which is starting in october so right now i'm just a bum at my parents farm congrats hey I'm also now one of the chair for the Emerging Conservators Committee of Canada with my vice chair, Jill, cool. here representing. Hello, peeps. Hello, future me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during lockdown, I played a lot of Animal Crossing mm -hmm. video games, was also, again, a bum on my parents' farm and had a contract here and there, but mainly a bum. Yeah. Love it. Adelia? Hello, so I'm Odelia and I am from Hong Kong, but doing my master's degree of museum studies in Leicester. And today, because uh, me and Atticus, we were the placement students at People's History Museum. So today it's like our final day of the official placement. And we focus on collections, which is slightly also related with conservation and working with Chloe here. Did not know that you'd invited minions. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Atticus? Hi, I'm Atticus. During the pandemic, I moved countries and then I started and I'm almost finished my MA in Art Museum and Gallery Studies at the University of Leicester, but I'm currently in the greater Manchester area because of placement that I just wrapped up. That's what I've been doing. Just school. <laughs> There's no just about it. No. And Gwen? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Gwen. I'm a collections care conservator based in Edinburgh. I work for museums and galleries Edinburgh, so local authority. I'm the only conservator in the organisation and I look after eight different museums. So wow, I was working throughout, some from home, but also just going in and doing like venue checks and training other people on how to spot pests and things like that. Mm. And Rafiki is here not sure you can let me pick you up amazing great that Hi. is great uh, so Hello. this is Rafiki yes I know darling I know and um, Huckleberry just is I don't know he's somewhere else the other dog is somewhere else the names are giving me life this is great thanks very much <laughs> Jane Hi, I'm Jane Henderson and I teach conservation at Cardiff University and during the lockdown I think I was busier than ever oh and I also failed as a parent left right and centre Oh, I'm sure you felt like you did. That's different. And finally, last but not least, Angelica. Yes, hello, thank you. So I'm Angelica. I'm in Peru. I'm in Lima. Oh, wow. And I did conservation at Durham. And during the pandemic, we were all stuck at home uh, quite uh, severely. But I was working more than ever because uh, I work for the state, so they didn't really let anyone go so but yeah it was actually quite hard because we had to pick up a lot of stuff over people who were not you know who didn't have internet and things like that so settled down now it's good uh, but I'm still at home because we're vulnerable people have to kind of stay even so I haven't been back wow yeah it is wild to when you're not even there mm, definitely we should say what we were doing you start oh okay um i started by looking for a local authority which meant that we didn't get furlough or it was it was a lot to keep working and then 
we moved to Wales because my other half got a job, uh, which meant that I had to go freelance, which was perhaps like not the most ideal timing in the world. We set up a new life here. We took on a lot of caring responsibilities and uh, life has been on fire for the past 18 months. And I, I'm sort of amazed I'm still here, guys. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been a wild ride. I haven't done that much conservation work because I've done odd bits, which I'm very grateful for. But there are many things that I have not done, which is something I recently addressed on social media. That it's really easy for me to focus on the bits that I haven't done because that's how my brain works. And that it can be sort of weirdly difficult to let go of to-do lists and things that you think that you should have been doing. Because you see people who are like, I wrote my PhD. I wrote that book I meant to be writing. And I don't know. And I'm like, uh, I still get out of bed in the morning. And <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I've done stuff. I've done stuff. I'll go with that. How about you? Uh, I was I've been on furlough almost the entire time. Uh, well, I was on furlough from March 2020 until her part time furlough in August. And then from like end of September for family care reasons, I was on furlough again full time up until part-time furlough again in April so it sort of just didn't feel like I came back to work really apart from to look at all the things I hadn't done and go oh god that's my list again remind myself how stressful it was and then go away again so I couldn't do anything about it but I've been back full-time since May and it's been glorious but whilst I was on furlough I mainly did stress sewing so like stress baking (laughs) except I'm messed up more bits of fabric <laughs> yeah and that that's basically it yeah I was gonna say something very relatable to me was that uh, the sort of stress baking I did a fair bit of stress baking although also what I now term crisis craft I did a lot of that oh I love that term <laughs> I love what someone else said that they watched every single episode of bones <laughs> amazing right should we talk about conservation <laughs> So maybe we should tackle the first topic, which was just what's what's changed at work. I was thinking, well, my work has changed dramatically in that I now no longer have a place of work, which is weird. But I remember it being really weird to begin with. We went from constantly being in to not being in at all to me leaving a job where I never saw any of my colleagues again. Mm. That's weird, right? <laughs> That's like extreme ghosting, but an entire workplace. <laughs> I feel like I have extreme social whiplash in that I and I'm sure that's relatable to people who've had to go back and then go away again because we've had several lockdowns in the UK I think we agreed that there may have been three official Mm, ones mm -hmm. yeah Um, but I'm very curious like how things have changed for, for maybe first from you Chloe and then for other people because you've you went from being furloughed to being back in work Mm -hmm. how did that work for you um I think so I I emotionally um found so I went from uh caring for helping the care for someone who is uh, you know hyper vulnerable we were shielding for months and months to going back to work where people would just come into the studio and say hi and then come into my office without a mask on and I found it quite difficult to um <laughs> maintain a polite professional demeanor while thinking okay Okay, but but just back off, just back off, please. Thank you. I'm not all right, <laughs> not all right. And you know, it this was April, so fairly safe, really, by comparison. But I think that 
it's changed a bit for me because I uh, my uh, manager went on maternity leave so uh, well in September last year so I went from working as two people in a huge studio to just being on my own in a huge studio and so I was all right actually because I was driving in and then I'd like run upstairs on my own around the back stairs and then just sit in my sit in my studio on my own and the only thing I had to contend with was people coming in and asking me questions and not realizing that I was freaking out internally. So I think the main thing of what has changed is that uh, people are trying to do less because of the the fact that we've been under so much stress over the last year, but also being really, really keen to keep going and not let this affect us. So I don't think those two things can happen at once. Um, <laughs> and I think that working with the, the main other thing is working with other people's perception of the, oh God, I've said it, Jane, other people's perception of the risk <laughs> of COVID and, you know, seeing your colleagues going out and having drinks and going clubbing and stuff. And, and then they come into your office and you've been locked down for 18 months and not willing to go out at all. I think that's, uh, that's the, the tension that I felt. Yeah, no, of course. And the change that I felt that not everyone is entirely on the same page, just naturally. I suppose I have a non-conservation sort of job at the moment where it's like a couple of hours here and there. And it's not a job where I see anyone other than my other half mostly, except on occasion there will be someone. And uh, at the point of sort of at the end of one of the sort of restrictions and lockdowns, someone came up to me because they'd just come out of quarantine so they knew they were okay. And they gave me a hug. Oh, and... uh, I had a very mixed emotion. Uh, <laughs> one of, I've not hugged anyone for like a year. <laughs> so this is nice. And also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my sense of personal space is very different now. <laughs> and I didn't invite this. So this is weird. And I felt really bad because they were just being nice. They, they were just doing what came naturally. And I just had a really mixed emotion, uh, like a mixed response to that you know, is is bound to happen. I think there'll be quite a lot of those clashes coming up, coming forward, basically. Mm, mm. And, and some of you may very well have experienced those already. But yeah, I'm curious if anyone else wants to pitch in about anything, how things have changed at work or um, at university or similar. Should we go Gwen first? Obviously, there have been things that have been not great, like our museums not being open and still only two of them now being open. Mm. But it has actually been really positive for relationships with other teams within the museum service so the relationship among the sort of collections and curatorial team was always pretty good uh, and we have like a team's chat that is literally just there instead of like you know the chat you might have while walking past someone's desk or whatever and you know we taught some of the curators how to use gifts that was exciting we always still have like team's tea break at 11 o'clock because you know ain't no coronavirus going to stop us having tea break but with say colleagues in our um, front of house and retail teams you know they were carrying out some of the venue checks rather than me or one of the curatorial teams so I did have to do quite a lot of training with them but I also had to just put a lot of reliance in other people and relinquish control um, and really trust other people to do things and and I think those relationships are you know really really good now and you know much stronger as a result that we might not have actually crossed over a huge amount beforehand so I think that's been that's been a really good thing um that's come out of it um so yeah a positive thing oh that's good 
Lovely, positive thing. I love it. Anyone else want to add anything? Oh, Ellie? So I actually started a new job, but I started working uh, remotely. And I think something that I definitely worked out was that it became almost like a mental challenge as well that you had to, and also Mm. it became a new way in which you had to start working, which I found really, really difficult. And I think something a barrier that I definitely am I'm still trying to overcome I mean I've only been in this job for about five months now is it's so much different if you're if you're struggling because if there's an if there's a small issue you can't just kind of like shout across an office be like what do I do like where's this file on the system you kind of you have to send an email and then that person has to read the email and you have to wait for the response for the email and it definitely sometimes can feel as though when, when you know everyone around you is so busy as well, you kind of, you definitely feel a little bit like a burden. And it's that as well is kind of like resetting your thoughts. Like, no, like this is how everyone has to work now. It's not just uh, you. So, but luckily everyone I work with is so kind and everyone I talk to is, is really kind as well. And I think what's quite lovely, I think is in, in a sense, like COVID has been horrible, but I think people have become more, like aware of other people as well. And so you're, you're kind of not more forgiving, but more acknowledging of other people's struggles sometimes. So that's a little bit of a, a bonus. A bit of a ramble for you all. <laughs> no, not at all. I think those are really good points. Ed, does anyone else want to pitch in around this topic? I think Angelica raised her hand. Yes, thank you. Um, it's actually really funny that Ellie uh, talked about that because we've had similar experiences and the thing, I don't know if it's a Latin American thing, but, you know, we, we've had this thing and it's, it's also about mental health, but, you know, we're doing the work hours and you, you know, ask some, something from somebody and they're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you because I'm cooking lunch right now. Or, oh, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm pulling my laundry down or I'm just going out for my, you know, my little break to walk the dog. Um, so I'll do that uh, in a minute when I get back or, you know, I have to pop to the bank. Um, and it's been really interesting because we've all been home for so long now that we've kind of thrown in all these little breaks. And of course, a lot of people have, uh, you know, young families and children and, and other you know responsibilities that have to be done at a certain time just because you're home, um, which you didn't have to do before because you were out of the house nine to five. But now that you're home, you're like, oh, you know what? I have to serve lunch for everyone at this time because after that, someone has to do this, someone has to do that. So, you know, it's the time where we all sit down. And it's kind of interesting because we've all had to work around each other's mini breaks. Um, And that's been really a really interesting way of working uh, this past year. Yeah. That sounds oddly nice. I sort of like how wholesome that is. And I like how accepting that is as well because I think my, from, my work from home days, I've sometimes felt like I was doing the laundry in secret. Like no one needs to know that I took this 10 minute break to do the laundry and oh, but it's a really good drying day outside. So I'm just going to put it out. No one needs to know. So I really like that there's a sort of full awareness and acceptance of, no, you just have to do life things because you're at home in your life and and work isn't the only thing that you do now. So that's really, really nice. I have had a lot of uh, friends express to me that they are glad to go back to work though because it takes it out of the home uh, how there's sort of not uh, that distinction any more about like what's sort of allowed in the home you know if it's a toxic work environment that sort of leaks into the home which is of course really really bad and 
I completely recognize that. Having to take that sort of work stress home with you and sort of have it live in your home is very different from having, I don't know, gotten off the bus and sort of venting to your other half or the cat uh, for... <laughs> 10-15 minutes uh, and then sort of getting on with dinner and sort of forgetting about it that's it's sort of a very different um different vibe really but yeah it's it's worth noting that from a mental health point of view it's it's a mixed bag but I'm very glad that it seems like a lot of you guys have had really positive experiences where sort of people have been very patient and that this this has been a good thing which is good fantastic excellent I've just thought of a positive podcasting to say before we invite others. I feel, Jenny, that we've become so much more kind of, let's just contact them and ask. We come up with topics and we're like, we've heard of this person. Do you think they might record with us? Let's just see. And before, I was much more nervous about doing that. And I think that people are, I don't know if that has changed, other people's reactions have changed, but we've had some really, like, just, people just haven't sort of quibbled it. They've said, well, of course I'll talk to you. That's a brilliant idea. Like, And I feel like the, everyone's so much more used to being online. I was going to say, I think that helps. And being recorded and being, you know, yeah, it's it's just really opened doors. So that's been really nice. I absolutely agree with you that the sort of um, increased tech literacy although somewhat enforced, mm. has really helped. It means that people are more happy to hop, hop on Skype or Zoom or whatever they've got lying around. And they, they're just more more happy to sort of join in like that, which is really nice. One of the nice work things for me has been meeting people abroad and contacting people more as well. And Asta is one of those people. I don't know if Asta is going to say hello, but Asta is someone I'm really, really thrilled to have got to meet because... We're all on Zoom, so you might as well talk to anyone anywhere. Hello, Texas. Hello, Canada. Hello, Peru. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but it's nice. It has made the world a little bit bigger mm. um, in, in, like a, in like a new way, which is really nice. And I, I love that. That's sort of what we're all about. So that's great. Can we do rain first? Sure. Thank you. I guess because uh, I was still just you know, getting contract jobs where I could, I've still moved twice across the country, even during COVID. Wow. Wow. Like moving was already stressful in that regard, but having to be like, okay, I need to like figure out, I need to move ahead of time so I can like make sure I don't have COVID and I can stay in my room if I can get a rental because now they're renting to someone out of province who's traveling by car to work a temporary job with coworkers and stuff who may have COVID, who knows? The, the first contract I got was in BC, which was when COVID first hit. So everyone was very like high on edge, like, you know, giving me quarantine time and everything. And same with another job I got in Toronto, Ontario recently. Like they get, they gave me time, but trying to figure out how am I going to try and keep up my experience, but also just stay safe. Cause I, I need to travel for these jobs and I need to be moving to get this experience. Otherwise, you know, like a lot of people, I'll be, have a big chunk of no experience on my resume, which, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world. It's COVID times, you know, but it was nice to keep the ball rolling, but very, very stressful on my end. Gosh, the fact that you've moved twice, I'm impressed. You gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, Caitlin. Um, well, I probably had a slightly unusual experience in that I was at work, like in the building for most of the time 
this sort of past year or so, really, because staff in other departments were encouraged to work from home wherever they could. But for us, there was a sort of core team of staff involved in doing a big collections move for the museums. So we had to be there in person. There was there was no other option. It was quite a time sensitive mm. thing that couldn't really be delayed any further. So with that, it was a lot of socially distancing as far as possible. And wherever it wasn't possible, if you were moving things together, then you know, we were all wearing masks, FFP3 masks, which were provided by the workplace because they were very keen on introducing as many safety measures as possible. And, you know, we're really good in that respect, really. Um, I was put on furlough at two months yeah, for two months at the beginning of this year, which was yeah, a strange experience. But then we came, then we came back. But I, I was quite glad to, I think, have been being able to be at work in person. Really, like you know, Ellie said, I think it, it, it's strange mm. starting a new job and not being able to just sort out those little issues or be able to meet people and kind of break the ice. Really, yeah, it's not really the same meeting people over Zoom. Uh, just to introduce, Huck is here and um, just to introduce Huck Berry. Yes. Oh my God, hi. He's the best dog in the world. Aren't you lucky to meet the best dog in the world? There you go. Excellent. The listeners are missing out on their eyebrows. We were going to talk about redundancies and cuts. They are sad things. And the general job market, I think. I've been following the Museums Association uh, Redundancy Hub tracker because I thought that was a really good initiative. I was quite shocked with the write-up because there was something like just at the time of their like report, I think it was just over 4,000 jobs announced, they're sort of cut mm. across the UK. And are we talking conservation or museums? No, like museums in general. I believe anyway that it had to be things that were announced in a certain way. So it sort of had to be they've gone out and said we are cutting 59 jobs or like that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it had to be quite officially stated. And conservation jobs were actually quite low in the in in how many were actually cut but i suspect that's probably lack of data rather than anything else i see and as someone very kindly pointed out when i said this on twitter was well contractors don't count uh so if it's anyone who's not a permanent employee then that doesn't show up in those numbers for example and collaborations with freelancers that just don't come through Mm. yeah freelancers Mm. definitely don't show up it's not a true picture of what's really happening in the sector anyway and by sector i just mean the museum uh slice of things we know it's not going to be a good picture uh it's just that we don't really have words for what the picture truly looks like i think because i don't know who really collects this you know like um i left my job but it's because it was the risk of redundancy <laughs> risk of i was going to be made redundant it just hadn't had the paperwork but they've not replaced my job like that's how that works so that doesn't count as a redundancy mm. because ultimately it's just it's not a post that's being filled so I suspect there's quite a lot of that going on. I don't know how people feel. Do you guys feel like you know a lot of people who haven't been in work, whether that's through redundancy or just not getting not getting the jobs? Um, I don't know how you guys feel. I know a lot of you are early professionals as well, so it's doubly hard for you guys. Uh, it sucks. I mean, it sucked pretty bad 10 years ago. It sucks more now. Does anyone want to somberly raise their hand and <laughs> talk about that? Yes, Rain. I guess when COVID fir- first first hit, like back in March, I they couldn't say, but I applied for a fir- permanent full-time job. It was like, oh my God, perfect, lovely, amazing. It's exactly what I want. But then COVID hit and then everyone in HR got, you know, sent home and everyone's getting sent home. And then after a month or two, they're like, so uh, we 
can't say you had it. Oh, man. But at this point, we can't move forward with it now. It was just like, boom, crash, like missed out on this amazing job that would have been perfect. But, you know, that's what happened to a lot of people, though. And then after that, I was, you know, jobless for a while and managed to pick up some contracts. But, you know, like everyone, not a great time. Yeah, I just sort of wonder how much of that, like how many jobs were caught in limbo at that point or just didn't closed but didn't actually hire anyone I'm super curious mm. about this sort of thing but again I I've heard at least one more of just okay that's interesting even just anecdotally that is interesting mm. to, to like voice because honestly I don't know that we're tracking this stuff and we should no um I do know that uh, Icon did have this impact on conservatives um report actually they've done two I think uh one was quite early in the pandemic when sort of first first lockdown I think uh and the other one was gathering data much later so I th- there's been a little bit about it but like not super detailed not good times I don't see a lot of jobs advertised now oh Gwen uh oh, can I first cut in Mandy would you like to share your experience or or happy to have said it in chat yeah, sure. Um, so I'm based in the southwest of England um, and I've been looking for jobs that are sort of an hour's drive from Swindon. So I'm quite limited on my location. I can't relocate or anything like that. There's just been hardly any jobs coming up. And I applied for a job just before pandemic um, hit. And um, I, was st- I was shortlisted for interview. And that was sort of like the week after we were told to lock down. And they were like, well, we've got no idea when we can interview. And after that, it just went completely silent. And in fact, the museum hasn't reopened even now. And it looks like it's not going to reopen at all. Wow. So that's really sad. And yeah, I've just had a, a terrible time um, trying, yeah, applying for jobs, not, not hearing back. Mm. I, I keep trying, but it's, it's really tough sort of mentally emotionally but yeah you just got to keep trying I think yeah that's really hard though uh Gwen I thought uh, I think you had your hand up as well as my job I uh, also wear the hat of being chair of Icon Scotland which uh means that I go to important meetings that I have massive imposter syndrome at one of them is that Museums Galleries Scotland, which is sort of arm's length national organisation for museums and galleries across Scotland, they kind of handle uh, funding and things like that. So like all of the cultural uh, recovery funding has been administered through them, for example. Um, and the last but one meeting that I went to was reflecting on some of the survey data, including and fed in some of the ICON survey data as well. And they said that while at the moment it's not looking good, for example, Glasgow Life, which is one of the biggest museum employers in Scotland, they're going to be cutting 500 jobs. But they did describe the outlook as bleak when you said, Jenny, you weren't sure what the outlook would be. And that is largely uh, sort of you know across Scotland. That's largely because less so at the moment, because there's a sort of sorry, this is really bleak um, because there's a sort of funding kind of you know there's a bit of money floating around for recovery help and they you know they were saving money on furlough and so on Uh, also there were savings on projects and there aren't sort of you know additional cuts expected now but 2023 2022 23 23 24 that's when there's going to be an expectation trickling down certainly to national and local authority organizations that cuts will be made then Um, so while we haven't 
lost any jobs at this stage, it's going to get worse when we're expected to make cuts at a point where we won't have been able to build up any reserves because we still can't do like big events and things like that, which might be the way of getting money in. Mm. Uh, that makes perfect sense. And it, this was one of the things because I, I did notice that there were a couple of tweets about how not as many museums as expected had closed during the pandemic. But I think that's just it's just a delayed effect. I think everyone has lost out on income and opportunities and and also staff members. Yeah, I think that the last thing I heard, which would have been dated, probably the data was July, is that all museums that were currently open in Scotland were operating at a loss. Yeah. And that, that has obviously the knock-on effect of people who are freelancers or suppliers to museums and, and so on. There are quite a few freelance or you know, people in private practice in, in the committee and they yeah. just had no work for a while. That bit's not all that cheery, I have to say. Um, oh, Jane's raised her hand and I'm going to try and come in with something sunnier afterwards. <laughs> I was just going to come in with the, with the gloom and the, the other side of it is conservatives often have partners who might have like more regular careers because our careers are so bonkers and possibly not that well paid. But kind of knock on for us has been partners who've also been furloughed and for whom that's a big fear that that means that the job's not going to be there at the end and be made redundant as well. So sometimes, you know, the people with the mainstream jobs in your, you know, family or domestic setup mm. are also vulnerable. That makes your precarious career even more precarious. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. And a lot of places aren't really feeling mm. the full effects of, of having of having had lockdown or Brexit problems or anything like that. It's sort of trickling through and we're starting to see it. But it, it's going to start hitting hard. Jane, you did point out in the chat that Tamsin Russell has done uh, has been great on Twitter for supporting people and the threat of redundancy. It's a really good point. Uh, Tamsin has been a great champion for that stuff. And I, I think... In general, actually, the Museums Association has has done some great stuff throughout the pandemic, actually, to be supportive of the sector. Not necessarily dissing Icon, uh, <laughs> they're trying as well. But they, I did notice that they had just put out a um, like well-being hub as well, like uh, just to try to support people a bit more with their mental health and stuff as well. Like I feel like they they are doing quite exemplary stuff in terms of trying to boost a sector that's frankly looking quite sad and quite rightly so. Uh, yes, she has done great work. And if any of you aren't following Tamsin, you you should. Tamsin's great. Tamsin's been on the show. Tamsin's lovely. <laughs> a slightly bleak one. Uh, but I think, Chloe, you wanted to attempt to cheer this up. <laughs> well put. Go for it. Attempt, I'll attempt away. <laughs> I think it's worth saying that though some funding has dried up and my studio has lost work because of you know objects have come in we've been raring to go then we locked down and then they lost funding and it was it's a huge shame there are funding bodies that have been I say patient with gritted teeth because I feel like they should just well they said yes to the money so why is there a time limit on it just you know give it as anyway we've all been locked down for 18 months why why does it matter? But they have been patient and they have said, don't worry about this deadline that we gave you in the before times. We'll just keep going with it. Just do what you can. So it is there. Funding is still available. People still want to do the work. They still have the work to do. It's just that it has been disrupted. So I'm still hopeful for there being, you know, project work out there, freelancer work out there, stuff it is definitely a good point. Should we move on to the next one? Let's do that. What did I say? Hang on a minute. Uh, the next one is about sourcing material. 
Oh, well done. Okay, you've already got it written down. I have it up on my screen. I'll have you know. <laughs> I um, don't. <laughs> uh, this is literally just me being curious. If anyone's had any issues around sourcing materials in the last year or now or anything like that, things like PPE and uh, mm. and and just conservation materials, I'm genuinely curious. Uh, I know that at the start of the pandemic, obviously there was a drive to give PPE away because there was a mm-hmm. huge deficit in the health uh, services at least in the uk for things like nitrile gloves and you know face masks stuff like that uh, that we had and a lot of conservators totally donated uh, a lot of institutions just went out and gave that stuff to the nhs or care homes or um other health facilitators basically which was a fantastic thing to yes. see uh, just as a tiny little burst of sunshine oh remember when we were all <laughs> really nice to each other there? that was great but I was wondering if anyone's had sort of trouble getting anything or had to... Um... Now, all of those lovely people who were really lovely and gave away all their nitro gloves now now have to pay, everybody, the nitro guard. I bought some today through gritted teeth. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> because I run out of mediums. I've... That is a problem. Nitro guard, blue pull, my favorite, £35 for a box of 100 the hell is that i mean i know supply and demand and all that capitalism but it's so expensive is this a bad time to point out that our lovely lorraine finch uh tweeted the other day that chemists are reducing their nitrile glove stock uh, as in the it's at reduced prices so if you nip down to boots or superdrug you might be able to pick up a couple of boxes well, I might because I spent twenty pounds on a box of smalls, and they were just yeah. the ones I've never tried before. So they better be all right because I'm going to be angry if they're not. But they're black, so you know. I mean, it sort of worries me. Like, is it just that we've bought up all the gloves and hoarding them, or is it is it just that people have stopped caring about wearing gloves? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Gwen has an opinion. I mean, hoarding is the wrong term. I would say. My understanding is that we bought retaining for the future. <laughs> yeah, we bought uh, like not the museum service, the council centrally. I think bought loads and loads, and now if we are yeah. ordering any nitrile gloves, we have to basically order them from our own internal supply, and then you just get the ones that you're sent. Which means I've had all kinds of strange colours. Uh, there was a lovely mint green one, which was exciting. I like those ones. My biggest problem at the beginning of the pandemic was that I was able to redirect the things that I'd ordered to my house and then I just had them in my house for ages until I could get them into the store except for acetone they would not deliver acetone directly to me and I was like well I can't have them sent and they're like well just somewhere else. No, nowhere is open all of our venues are closed <laughs> and I need acetone and as it is I still don't have any acetone oh no they do not do that it's used for making cocaine oh is that what it's for I was like what do they think I'm good I wasn't going <laughs> to use it for that just saying it's a hilarious problem it's a hilarious problem when people set up as freelancers as well Anyway, back to planning. Planning, yes. Yeah, so the, the phrasing I used was planning and scheduling work with clients, exhibitions, on-site work and couriers. And I was trying to think of basically planning within an institution or with clients and then the implications of going somewhere and speaking to essentially strangers, being in a different place of work, but for a short period of time. I, I suppose just to pitch in with, with mm. one example is that I did go and help some people set up an exhibition. Oh, okay, uh, they did- were opening... Yeah, they, they were opening uh, like a like a gallery. We, it was lovely, but they had to reschedule so many times, and I had to rebook so many times, oh, <laughs> which was absolutely fine. I completely understand. But 
it just kept being postponed and postponed. And I think in the end, they knew they weren't going to open any time when they wanted to, but they just decided to have the work done before the money went mm. away. So it's flexibility with a capital F has definitely been a theme. I'm curious what other people have to say, though. Uh, apart from uh, my store where I have where I'm a key holder, all of the other museum venues in order to do quarterly pest trap checks, I had to like basically wait until like schedule it in so far in advance. OK, and you're going that day to do your venue check. OK, great. I'll come with you then. And then like, oh, actually, no, we have to go like literally two days before. Oh, no, we're going in a different day this week because there's a contractor that needs to come in. So, yeah, I mean, I've just carried bags of death around in my backpack and that's fine. And then I have to leave them in the lab until such time as I'm scheduled to be in there. And then then I can check them then. So that, that's been kind of like a lot of scheduling with other people to make sure you can do stuff. And then the same with kind of getting access when we had an outbreak of carpet beetle with external contractors. I had a lovely sort of hour long walk uh, along the coast to their foundry to look at uh, what you know, the project we were dealing with for like a sort of 20 minute meeting and then walked all the way home. That was really nice. Enjoyed that. <laughs> My colleague um, collections officer had members of front of house who were interested in collections care and collections management going around and taking photos so that she could as she puts it not be able to identify the black blobs but at least see if there was a huge increase in the number of black blobs that there were <laughs> and so that kept us going until um thankfully Atticus and Adelia were with us and um, they both enjoyed the treasure hunt of learning how to do IPM, which suited me because the number of gigantic spider monsters that were in all the traps being monstrous uh, was just not all right. That's nice. <laughs> I, I do remember sort of enjoying the walks to the store because they would take sort of a they would take probably 40 minutes or something. So it was quite nice, like just to get out of the house, but it would also be eerie because no one else would be out at that point. Uh, because this was like in the depths of lockdown when it was like, I felt like people gave me funny looks like, are you a key worker? Why are you outside? And I was like, I'm just going to the store. Don't murder me. I had a letter and I had a copy of it on my phone, like because uh, that first time where we really weren't sure you know explaining my presence for being out and about and nobody ever asked me but I I literally did that for um for doing the exhibition work actually because I was traveling quite far because I had to go to London to do it and basically uh, because I had to go by train several trains I was so afraid that I would get stopped by like British transport police or something and be like why are you on here prove that you have a valid reason to be outside that I literally had like the work email, like the email saying that we need you for doing this and like the invoice with me so that I could definitely say that I was legitimately able to do work. I love how many of you had to check pest traps at home. <laughs> and also I've never heard of anyone who had to take pest traps on an Uber. That's amazing. <laughs> because I've wanted to come in, obviously, because I can do very little at home, really. We've had this no loan working thing in the building because we're a fairly small museum and understandably no one wants me going in on my own and then falling down the stairs and then being left there for 24 hours before anyone else comes in the building. Fine, whatever, safety. But working out when that was actually going to happen and who was in where and whether there were too many people in this place and too few people in this other place um, was quite tricky. And then I've done a couple of on-site 
estimates for for the outside contract work element of what I do again having to be very sensitive and write emails like so I'm still being very careful about COVID so I'd really appreciate it if everyone could take flow tests to wear a mask please <laughs> and then just do it um and that has been you know for a fairly timid person it, a little bit difficult but where we teach, because we were teaching through lockdown and coming into labs, Some, several of our labs are connected with in, inner doors and each lab had a maximum occupancy level. So we'd have a situation if someone was coming from one lab to another mm. to get something, then someone would have to go out the door into the corridor. <laughs> and, then, and then you could just sort of run around to the other door and go back in as long as you didn't exceed their com- <laughs> occupancy. But we were like super lucky because we, we had one of the only two-way corridors in the whole campus, <laughs> which meant that we could go to the toilet without having to leave the building before we could get back to the lab. <laughs> but... Um, the worst thing about it was that obviously it was great that we had that we could go in, but we obviously had to have the windows open. Oh, but yeah. the, the windows where we work are absolutely ridiculous. And none of the women can open them oh. because they are so stiff and the angle is such that. So we'd always <laughs> just have to go and get a boy to open them for. <laughs> that is extreme. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a boy, but there was just something about the angle and the power that you had to put in. I don't know if anyone else here who's, who's been in that lab could open those windows, but you also had to have someone in the rotation who could get the windows open before, so you could start off open up the labs. So, yes, we did lots of very hilarious dancing in and out of doors. As a short woman, I relate. I always need help with windows. <laughs> so that was our COVID ballet. I like it. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah, number of people on site. That's an interesting point as well, because... I suspect in teaching circles, that will have been an interesting task. Also, if you had the windows open, that must mean that you couldn't work on anything that would be disturbed by a breeze. That must be fun. I think we just powered through. I think that is the new world order now, isn't it? <laughs> that that sort of seamlessly leads us into teaching and education, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Did any of the people on the call now do like placements or internships? during this time because I don't know how that worked yeah in our um, distance teaching and learning episode we talked a lot about the the sort of distance and also part-time placements of summer 2020 so if you're interested to listen to that do go ahead I think Karen from Glasgow has some interesting things to say about how inventive people were and how kind of on board to just do it differently people have been, which is really, which is really, really good to hear. But last year was a weird one, isn't it? I'm, I was looking at Ashkas on Adelia because obviously you guys have been not actually that affected in terms of the internship, except that you guys have been part time rather than full time, which is what we'd normally do. And I don't know how that compares to last year, really. And we don't have anyone to compare with, unfortunately. Is that to make sure that there aren't that many people in the room at the same time? Like, what made it what made it part time? I literally don't know. Why was that done? So originally, I think full time is like you go into museum five days a week. Like whenever museum opens, oh. you go into it. But now me and Atticus are like two days we work from home and then the other three days we work either in store or at museums. Okay. And because I talked to some of the students from University of Manchester who also does the museum study course and their placement, it's fully online because they didn't do it over the summer. 
they do it while they are having their courses. So they don't have choice. They need to do it online. And also one of the alumni who, who is from last year, she does it in the National Football Museum in Manchester. It's also purely online. So you need to constantly have meetings and checkings with your supervisor, but you don't have the chance to get into the museum. Okay, that's interesting. Not dissimilar to how people have hybrid working now. So it's actually sort of mimicking the workplace quite closely. Yeah, I was just going to uh, chime in and say, from my understanding, the reason ours is what what you said is a hybrid kind of placement is because the museum is only open to the, the public for three days of the week. So the other two days, we're either in the store or we're just working remotely, right. researching from home. That makes sense. We did want to end on like a cheery topic about what we've been doing or really enjoyed that we're proud of because it's been one heck of a year. And even if we haven't been yeah. necessarily like working as much as we'd like or doing all the things that we would like, what is what is something that we have been doing that we have been enjoying? And I know that people will say baking. <laughs> But aside from baking. Do you want to start, Jenny? Uh, no, I don't, because I need to think of something. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, well, uh, I won a big contract that has put me well in done. a hilarious amount of time deficit. It's hilarious, honestly. And I sort of... That's just work, though, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's super good and it's very exciting. Um, And I'm going to do it. Well, well done. Time-lapse video and it's going to be great, but also crikey. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's really exciting. And we're going to get it on. I'm going to get it done on time, but it's a little bit stressful with my backlog at the moment. Mandy. Yeah, um, I've really loved all the online conferences that have been available over the past year and a half. Yeah, it's been really brilliant. Loads of uh, things that I wouldn't be able to access normally. Um, I joined the French Porcelain Society because I'm a big ceramics geek and I'm one of their emerging scholars and I've been able to access loads of free lectures and it's been really great. Amazing. That's an excellent one. Would anyone else say something that they've they've done in this past 12 to 18 months that they've enjoyed or feel proud of or are happy with anything? Rain? Yes, Rain. I guess in between being a jobless bum in my parents' basement. I did do a couple of things, like, you know, when I was a panelist on a couple of things made of- Yeah, you were. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we were on a thing. <laughs> and uh, I was able to do a video for the care to connecting to collections care, C to C care. I don't know. Yeah, oh, nice. I did a thing with them, which was, which was pretty neat. Had to figure out how to use my camera and all that stuff, which was cool. And I taught an online- uh, workshop with my museums association, which was again a new experience. It was like, all right, it's, this is nice being able to try things out at least. So that was fun. And crisis crafts, a lot of crisis crafts, like embroidery and stuff. So that was also lovely. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on, we're, we're going to make you find something that you're proud of. Yes, Martha. I got to present my sort of final year project with a few of my, I was going to say colleagues, not colleagues, classmates. And we did it sort of around humidity indicator cards and how accurate they actually are, which is something that hasn't really been looked at. So I was very proud to just sort of, you know, present that as my first official thing, online conference, and then completely like non-academic, non-conservation related. But I taught myself how to knit this lockdown, which has been a lot of fun. Yes, knitting. I, I've been having a blast. I have made 
many ugly things. They, they sort of tend towards the ugly. My personal favorite is I've learned how to knit little snoods. It's been very good. I've been enjoying myself. Uh, okay, who else? I'm looking at you people who have not said anything. There will be something that you're proud of. Jane? I'm going to steal Ellie's. <laughs> Hang on. No, I'm just going to steal it because only one of us can know. It's hers to me. <laughs> Does Ellie not want to say it? I oh, know, that's not fair. Yeah. Okay, well, Ellie has to come up with something else. <laughs> um, Jane and I wrote a very successful paper. Yeah, you did. I'm really happy about that. A little bit blown away, actually. Basically internet famous. By it. So it's, it's so exciting. I, we, I kind of bang on over myself and Jane, basically. Thanks to Jane, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think without her, it definitely wouldn't have, it wouldn't really, I think, have become anything other than just kind of like, my own conversations I think but so it's now a theoretical physical thing now it's it's now out there so it's it's really it's really exciting and we've had some quite nice feedback as well like it's on disruptive conservation and you know how conservatives are always saying you know why have people not heard of us and why haven't we got a higher profile and then look at the work I've just done it's invisible this is like sawing that all away (laughs) This is like, look at the work I've just done. It's stunning. It's pink. And it's it's asking all kind of questions about what it says about conservation, that we don't make what we do visible or readable, and what it also says about objects and the end of time and the transition of objects through life and how things got broken and how things got repaired. And it's... Um, it's open access, which means that anyone can read it. And it has got the most amazing picture in it, the pink fill picture, which is just my favourite conservation picture. But it's, I think as well, it becomes about, as Jane said, it kind of, it, it spans across so many different areas, but it also it kind of becomes about confronting yourself, I think, and yourself as a conservator, but also yourself as how you, how you approach quite a lot of different things. So it's, it's very exciting. We've got another one coming. And if anyone wants to listen to more about Ellie talking about her gap filling and um, in the early, I'm going to say the early days because you hadn't finished it yet. It's in the, is it called Mind the Gap, Jenny? Yeah, it's called Mind the Gap. That episode that we did uh, last year or the year before or something. And the other thing I did was Couch to 5K. What? And I finished. Love it. Excellent. <laughs> Which I was, and I actually celebrated by buying proper running shoes in a proper running shoe shop where they made me run up and down and looked at me and everything it was the bravest thing I think I've ever done oh well done (laughs) and they gave me these shoes and I didn't even say have you got them in purple I just gave them a card (laughs) I just took them it's like these are the proper (laughs) shoes well done Gwen I think there's quite a lot of things personally and professionally that I feel really proud that I've achieved but I think in many ways the most impressive thing is that I finally learned how to fold a fitted sheet, (laughs) you know, learning how to like do online training and deliver online training and, you know, doing all these physical fitness things for my own health. Yeah. All very good. But now, now they fold neatly in the cupboard. Neatly. I love it. That's great. (laughs) What else have we got? What else have we got? All right, we definitely have some people left and we will find something that you're proud of. I'm serious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on someone. Atticus, give us something that you're proud of. 
I feel like through the thick of it, and I'm still in it because there's a lot of high stress things happening all the time during this time. And everyone's feeling it too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and I'm still here and I'm moving in like a week again. But I guess like there are a few things that I can pinpoint that I guess I should be proud of, but I just don't feel it yet. Well, I graduated and to do that, I had to publish my first photography book. And then I virtually tested for my first degree black belt. Whoa. And I, and I got it. <laughs> Wait, what? Amazing. But that's like almost over a year ago that happened. And I just... I am outraged that I wasn't top of the list. <laughs> and then I'm here and I'm almost done my master's degree. And I feel very proud of like my placement and all that. You should be. Should be. So, Lost yeah. It. Who else? Who else? I feel like a Dana should go next. Do I feel guilty for forcing <laughs> It's just all about very tiny little stuff, little steps, little progress that I do. I know myself better because I've been going some panic attacks and anxiety, and then I know how I need to take better care of myself. That is a big deal. And then I run my photography account, and then you can see, like, because um, you can see a little bit of successful Ooh. in that because you have more followers and people comment and said they like my photos and stuff, which give me a lot of encouragement. And of course, like Atticus, I did the master course and finished my placement. And yeah, I am I am quite proud of myself, to be honest. Good. You should be. I was going to say, Caitlin, I see you. Oh, dear. Um... No, I think I'm quite proud, I think, non-conservation related, that I finally sort of rediscovered a love for reading. Good. Because um, my my first degree was English Lit, and I I wouldn't have said that it would necessarily, like, kill that love, but certainly, you know, you kind of at some point go, oh, I'd rather not read any more writing again ever. Uh, but no, particularly over furlough when, you know, I wasn't in work, it was nice to be able to be like, oh, there's actually some enjoyment to be found in actually reading books that are not related to my degree or my job been good fun that is good good who hasn't gone i've lost track because we dotted about i feel like has angelica said anything no i think i'm the last person to go (laughs) (laughs) so because i've been working from home there were a lot of things that we had to do that we didn't have to do before i have um learned to use both i mean not not the adobe versions because they're too expensive but I've learned to use um, Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer, um, which I'm actually quite proud of because I didn't even know what the little buttons meant at the beginning of the year. And now I can, you know, draw curves and things, which is nice. quite quite nice. Um, and like Jane said, I have a blog. So, yay! Now I don't have a lot of time to, to work on it, but I'm actually quite happy with it. Um, so I've got a Twitter account called Conserva Llama because I'm a conservator from Peru and we have lots of llamas. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I run a blog kind of associated with that Twitter account um, where I talk about different issues um, in conservation, both for conservators and for people who are in the public and who don't really know much about that. So I've got some um, articles that I'm wanting to write right now. I've been listening to really completely off-topic stuff about finances and investment just out of personal interest. Um, And I found some interesting ideas that I think we could apply to thinking about conservation, um, which sounds really odd because it's about finances. Um, (laughs) 
um, I'm hoping to be able to write something about that soon. Thank you very much. I look forward to it because that sounds fascinating. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our first episode. Thank you so much. I'm amazed at how well this is how well this has gone, how keen everyone's been to speak and share. And it's been so wonderful. Thank you all so much for your time and your words. You've all been amazing. Fact. If you're enjoying The C Word and would like to support our work, then please consider becoming one of our patrons. For as little as $1 per month, you can help us keep our episodes online and more of them coming. Patreon helps us meet our regular costs for the show, and also to plan ahead so we know roughly how much of a monthly budget we've got. That's super helpful when you're trying to do something special like buy a better microphone or save up to go to a special event. Your support also helps keep us free of advertisements. In return, our supporters get access to our archive of extended episodes, which you can only access on our Patreon page. Yeah, for that $1 a month, you get a little extra audio enjoyment. We've crunched the numbers, and it's about 10% extra content on a regular basis. That's not bad for less than a cup of coffee, eh? If supporting us sounds like something you'd like to do, then head over to patreon.com slash the C word and join our bunch of absolute champions. And a warm welcome to our latest patrons. Sophie. Berusan, pardon if I pronounce that incorrectly, and Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Read the C word and you'll be listening to Chloe Romsey and me, Jenna Mathiasen. Join us next time for an episode about working with curators. In the meantime, check out our website at theseaword.show tweet us at the seaward podcast or simply email us on the seaward podcast at gmail.com the intro and outro music is spring buddy the music used under a creative commons attribution license additional sound effects by callum robertson this has been a wooden dice production Like I have to supply my own clink. This one is wine for those who are curious, and this one is water because I'm sensible. I'm going for exactly the same combo, my love, except I'm on cherry port, I think, from Denmark. I'm just going to record a. Oh, God. Ah.